Parshas Lech Lecha, the prince and the king. When Avraham Avinu went to war in order to rescue his nephew Lot, we can be sure it was a most remarkable military campaign. With a small force of only a few hundred men, he went out to battle against an allegiance of four powerful kings who had invaded Eretz Canaan and were vanquishing one city after another. And he was victorious. People don't know this, but there's no question that Avram Avinu was a great general. He didn't have a large army, but he was a brave and wise military strategist. And he led his little band of soldiers many miles pursuing the enemy. From the south up to Dan, in the north of Eretz Canaan. He even chased them into Syria, near Damascus, routing them at every turn. And so... We can only imagine that the mood in the land of Canaan when they heard that Avram was coming back. I'm much older than you. I remember when General Pershing came back from France. It's a long time now, but I can't forget the excitement that was in the air. People lined the streets and showered him with flowers as he passed by. They were so excited. They didn't know what to do for him. And so we can picture the scene now. Avraham and his handful of people have whipped the powerful enemy and they're bringing home all the captives, all the fathers and brothers and sons and they're bringing back their wealth too, all the booty that the kings had taken. I don't know if they were throwing flowers, but certainly there must have been wild excitement all along the entire route as the people came out to greet Avraham. Here comes our savior, the hero of the day. Now... The Torah doesn't tell us all the details because they are unimportant. We don't have to know that Avraham Avinu was a war hero who was adorned by the public. But there's one incident that occurred along the route that the Torah does tell us. And that's because it was an event that changed the course of history. Among those who came out to greet Avram was Malkitzedek. That's Shem, the great-grandfather of Avram. Now, Shem was a great tzaddik, one of the noblest men who ever lived. He was so great that the Gemara Nedarim tells us that HaKadosh intention had been to produce the nation of Kohanim from Shem. We know now, in retrospect, that only the Bnei Yisrael were chosen to be the Mamleches Kohanim. But the Gemara is telling us here that the original plan was that the nation of Oivdei Hashem was to include all of Shem's descendants. And that's what we see in the Chumash, when Noah gave his prophetic blessing to his sons after the Mabal. Yefes too will be great, said Noah. Yaft Elokim la Yefet. The Almighty will give Yefes wide dominion. His descendants will spread out everywhere. Yefes, we know, spread all over Europe, all over India. Even today, it's the Caucasian race that is the forefront of mankind. It was from Yefes, from the Greeks, that all the achievements of technology and science and literature have come. The march forward towards progress and power in this world has been in their hands up until today. So Yefes would conquer the world, that's true. However, that was only the consolation prize. Because when Noah turned to his most important son, Shem, 
he foretold that from this son would come forth the chosen people of all mankind. Yaft Elohim Yefet. Yes, Elohim will make Yefes succeed in this world. But Vayishkon, where will Elohim make his presence dwell? Where will the Shekhinah be? Vayishkon Ba'ahole Shem. He'll dwell only in the tents of Shem. And you have to know that as soon as Shem came out of the Teva after the Mubble and received that prophetic blessing, he got busy because he knew that he had to make himself as fit as possible for it to come true. Shem was a remarkably energetic man and he was filled with zeal to build a new kind of civilization instead of Malah Haaretz Hamas, a land filled with injustice between man and man. He wanted to rebuild a civilization of justice between man and man and perfection of character. And so he got busy making Ahole Shem, tents of Shem. It means Ohale Toida, places of study. And although we don't hear much about him, we'll see soon why not. He accomplished some very great things. That's how Sholem, the original Yerushalayim, came into existence. One of Shem's greatest achievements was that he built a city founded on righteousness, a city that he hoped would become the ideal city-state, a model for the rest of mankind. And he named this town Shalem, because Shalem means perfection. And it was a place that was dedicated to teaching the ideals of Shlemus, perfection. Shem was the father of that city. It was a family city. It was his progeny that increased there. So he was called Malkitzedek, the king of righteousness. It was a holy community of Ovde Hashem because that was the life work of Malkitzedek to create a city where everybody would live on a very high level of Tzedek and Yashus and Yiras Hashem and thereby bring the fruition, the prophecy of his father Noah. And so we understand at least a little bit who it was who came out to greet Avram. You know, when he came out to greet Avram, he's described as the Kohen Lakel Elyon, the Kohen who served the Almighty One. The Torah gives him smicha with those three words. It's Hashem's stamp of approval. So you understand already that he was a remarkable personality. And yet the Gemara in the Dorim makes an interesting remark on that Torah-given title. Malki Tzedek came out to greet Avram. V'hu kohen lekel elyon. And he was a priest who served the Almighty One. It means only him. Hu kohen ve'ein zaro kohanim. Yes, he's a servant of Hashem. But only who? Only him. His zera, on the other hand, his descendants, won't be kohanim. The word hu is a sign that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was taking something away from him. Who? Belolazaro. Your seed cannot be the nation chosen to serve Hashem. At that moment when Malkit said they came out to greet Avram, the family of shame lost their privilege forever. What happened on that fateful day? In Emek Shavei, in that valley outside of the city of Sodom, what went wrong? So listen to the story. When Malki Tzedek, Avraham's old ancestor, came out to greet the victorious Avraham, he brought with him offerings of bread and wine. And as everyone looked on, this old patriarch raised his hand 
and intoned a blessing. And it was this blessing that ruined him. Here's what he said. He said, Baruch Avram lekel elyon Blessed is Avram to the Most High God who created heaven and earth. A beautiful blessing. To this day we imitate these words. Kel Elyon, the powerful one, who is Most High. We adopted that phrase from Malkitzedek. As far as we know, he was the first one who said these words. And Koine Shamayim Va'aretz, the one who created and owns everything. We say these words too. We repeat them always. Beautiful words. And yet, it was these words that Malkitzedek lost out. What happened? Malkitzedek blessed Abraham. And then he continued with another pasuk. Baruch kel elyon asher migein zarecha biadecha. Blessed is the kel elyon who handed over your enemies into your hands. And Chazal tells us that these two pasukim were his undoing. Now it could be that you are underwhelmed by such a statement. You don't see what's the terrible sin here. The truth is, we don't see any sin at all. But we're learning now that it was such a big misstep that it caused Malki Tzedek to lose the privilege of being the father of the Kohanim, the Kelelion. What happened that was so terrible? Malki Tzedek was so overwhelmed by the gigantic personality of Avram Avinu that he lost himself. He blessed Avram before he blessed Hashem. Baruch Avram and then Baruch Kelelion. Now, he didn't actually lose himself because even when he blessed Avram, he mentioned the Almighty. He said, blessed is Avram to the Most High. He mentioned the, the Most High, but he blessed Avram first. It's true. He caught himself right away and said, Ubaruch Kelelion. Blessed is the Most High as well. But no matter, it was too late. A man who forgets about the Kelelion, the uppermost power, even if it's just for a moment, defaults his privilege to be the progenitor of the Amashem. The chosen people must have a Kadosh Baruch Hu, uppermost in their thoughts. Always! It means even when you're talking to the biggest Sadik, let's say you're going out to welcome the greatest Yerosh Yeshiva, and you're dancing around him and singing, if for a moment you forget about whom you're really dancing for, and you think that you're dancing about this Sadik, then you lose out. If you become bribed by his personality, if you become bewitched by this great man, and for a moment you forget about our Kaddosh Baruch Hu, it means that something is wrong. And that was the error that Malki Tzedek made on that day. For a moment he lost himself, and he put Avram first. It was only for a moment he caught himself right away. But for the one who wants to be the father of the Amashem, it's not good enough. Now Avraham, on the other hand, is a symbol of the nation that never forgets Hashem. Avraham didn't forget for a second. That's what the Gemara there says. Avraham is pictured there as saying the following. I prefer to think that he thought it, but he didn't say it. But we'll leave it up to you. V'chi makdimin birkat evel libirkat kono. Is it proper to first say a bracha to me and only afterwards to give a bracha to Kel Elyon? Avram didn't let that pass. He couldn't. Is that proper to bless a basar v'adam, to give a blessing to a human being before blessing the Almighty? You have to know that this was the greatness of Avram. 
He never was Masiach Das from Hashem. Not for one moment. You know, if someone would ask us, what's the greatness of Avram Avinu? So we think we know. We'd say, well, look, the Asara Nisyoinus, he passed ten great ordeals. There were heroic things that Avraham did. And the fact is that it's true. No question they were great things. Avram went through terrible ordeals. Hashem found his mind to be loyal. Very good. Excellent. But there's a greater thing. I'll tell you what the Rambam says in Moirin Avuchim. Listen well, because it's something that many people don't know. I think that his Lushen. I think, says the Rambam, that the others stood before HaKadosh Baruch Hu without a Hesech Das all their waking hours. That was the greatness of the Avos. All their waking hours. They didn't for a moment forget that everything they did was because of the service of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Whatever Avram was doing, whether he was raising livestock or doing business, whether he was making deals or making war, whatever he did, he never forgot about HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's the great Nisayan of this world. To not get lost. To never forget that HaKadosh Baruch Hu belongs in the forefront of our minds. In everything we do. And not to forget about Him no matter what. That's one of the most important tests of living in Olam Hazeh. And we begin to see now that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had this in mind. That was part of the whole plan. The Milchama with the kings of the north. And Avram's triumphant return. And the Kabbalah upon him when they all came out to greet him. Everything that transpired was to test Malkitzedek and Avram. Of course, there are many other things Hashem had in mind, but the overall purpose was to be a test. Would Malkitzedek lose himself in the greatness of a human being? And would Avram be sensitive to that mistake and make things right? Because that's the primary test of anyone who wants to be great in this world. Will you get lost in the presence of others, in the presence of the distractions, and forget that Hashem always comes first? Now the truth is, we shouldn't be surprised that Malkit Tzedek became excited over Avram Avinu. How can we blame him for being blinded by the greatness of Avram? I don't think we would pass such a test either. Avram Avinu, you have to know, was a highly respected person. It states in one place that the Gentiles said to him, Nisi Elohim atab tochenu. You are a prince of Elohim among us. They weren't just flattering him. The Torah wouldn't have inscribed it then. That is how they felt about him. Among us, he is a prince of Elohim. Not just a prince. A prince recognized by Elohim. Avram was also a very wealthy man. Avram kabed me'od. He was very heavy with wealth. Not just heavy me'od. Me'od means he was loaded down with heavy wealth. And he was very learned too. The Rambam in Hilchus in the very beginning states that Avram composed books which were studied. And he had tens of thousands of disciples who gathered around him. The Rambam says that. Not only the Rambam, Josephus quotes from ancient records, from Berosus the Akkadian, that Avram was one of the most learned men of antiquity. Berosus claims that when Avram sojourned into Egypt, he was the one who taught mathematics and astronomy to the Egyptian priests. That's our sole record among the Goyim of Avram. I cannot describe Avram to you, but I'm sure he was a very handsome personality. Chochmas Adam Ta'ir Panov. 
a man's wisdom transforms his countenance. And therefore, Avram was a person with a magnetic personality. I'm sure if we could see him, we wouldn't be able to take our eyes off of him. We'd look and look. We'd drink in the glory and nobility that graced his face, just like we drink the best kind of wine. So let's picture what was doing there. Here's a man who is considered a prince among his peers. He's wealthy and wise and the teacher of the masses. A glorious personality, especially now that he's returning as the hero who saved the people of Canaan. And he did it almost without any kind of army to help him. And so all the kings are standing there full of gratitude. They're bowing down to him and they're expressing how much they appreciate what he did for them and how much they admire his heroism. Imagine the Satmarov was coming back to America after a long visit to Eretz Yisrael. Who would be at the pier to greet him? Everybody. You wouldn't be able to get through the crowd. But suppose it wasn't only the Satmarov. Suppose it happened to be that this same personage was the biggest Rosh Yeshiva too. So not only would the Satmar and Hasidim all be there, but the whole Mir Yeshiva and Lakewood and all the other Yeshivas would be there too. Now suppose that in addition to these qualities, this great Hasidic Rebbe and Rosh Yeshiva was also one of the wealthiest men in the world and also one of the most learned men in secular knowledge. And imagine now that he's not just returning from a visit abroad. He's coming back from a stunningly successful military expedition. Imagine that. Everybody else would be there too. The whole world would come out to greet him. And it's not just imagination, a fantasy. Because Avram actually had it all. He had everything wrapped up in one. And therefore it was a remarkable event when Avram returned to Eretz Canaan. And it was planned that way to be a test for Malkitzedek. It's the crucible of fire that makes a man great. Remembering Hashem always. Actually, it's a test that we all face as we make our way through life. Hashem is constantly testing us, the same way he tested Malkitzedek and Avram. And although it's not written in the Torah, but there's another Torah being written right now where all the incidents of our lives are being transcribed forever. And the most important test is this. Will you forget Hashem in the presence of people? Will you put the Basar Vadam before HaKadosh Baruch Hu? We're going to see now what the Chachamim say about this subject. In Perkei Avos, the Mishnah says like this, Al Tidvada Larashut. Do not let yourself be known to the government. It means don't come too close to the king. Don't make yourself too familiar with officials, with big machers in the government. Now the Rambam in his parish on Mishnahis explains that when a person becomes close to a king, he becomes mesmerized. He can't help it. And that's a very dangerous position to be in because when a human being becomes too important in your mind, you could easily forget about HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that might cause you to do things to please the king that don't find favor in the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Don't you see what happened to Doeg HaDomi when he came close to Shalom Melech? Says the Rampam. When Shaul suspected that David was planning against him, so he asked those around him, doesn't anyone have pity on me to help me out? And because Doeg wanted to show the king that he sympathized with him, he started telling Shaul things about David, fanning the flames of Shaul's enmity. It means that Doeg allowed himself to forget about Hashem when faced with a human being of importance. 
And that's a terrible failure. Because even though Shaul was appointed by the Almighty himself, and there was a mitzvah to honor him and fear him, that's only because Hashem said that it's a mitzvah. And that was a big mistake. Because if it's done in a wrong way, like Shaul's campaign against David, then it's no longer a mitzvah. Now you're serving somebody else other than Hashem. And what happened to Doeg because of that? What happened as a result? He lost out big time. Just like Malki Tzedek lost his privilege of being the progenitor of the Am Hashem. Doeg lost his chelik l'oilam haba. Gemara Sanhedrin. They both lost out because they forgot Hashem when faced with a bus of Adam. That was their downfall. That's why the Rambam warns us. Don't be like Doeg. Don't get lost in front of anybody except Hashem. Shaul was a big tzaddik, a tremendous oived Hashem. But you shouldn't fall under the spell of anybody's personality, even the greatest tzaddik. That's a chiddish, isn't it? You'd think that for a tzaddik, your bottle in front of a tzaddik, your mind should capitulate completely. Oh no! Even when you're talking to the greatest tzaddik, you're still responsible to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You're responsible... Only to him. And so, let's say you're a Talmud of a Rebbe. The first thing to know is that your Rebbe is important only because Hashem made him important. Don't get lost. Now, if you're Hasidim, and you're going to have to bear with me for a moment, because I'm going to have to hurt your feelings. There is a basic weakness in all Hasidim. And that weakness is my Rebbe. Before the Hasidim, all Jewish people said, My HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that's all. And the truth is, that's how it's supposed to be. However, when the Baal Shem Tov saw that a lot of Jews had stopped saying that, he said that it's better to say, My Rebbe, than not to say anything at all. Because if you'll say, My Rebbe, long enough, then in the course of time, you'll say, My HaKadosh Baruch Hu, too. But there's a certain weakness in that attitude, too. Because you must always remember that however important he is, he's only a ladder that you're climbing up to reach HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Only if you know he's a ladder, then he'll be able to lead you to success. But when people live with blind allegiance, that means by not thinking about HaKadosh Baruch Hu first, it can become the cause of their undoing. There have been very many plain people who never graduated past my Rebbe stage. They forgot that the Rebbe is only a way to get to Hashem. And then it becomes my Rebbe versus your Rebbe. And they're scratching out each other's eyes. The truth is that you always must keep in mind that your Rebbe is only a ladder. The Rebbe is only there to make it easier to climb up to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But if a man just stands on the ladder and he never reaches the shelf, then we tell him, what are you standing on that ladder for? There are a lot of people standing on ladders and they're all yelling at each other. This one says, my ladder is better. And this one says, my ladder is better than yours. So we tell them, get going already. Go higher! Climb the ladder! Once you understand that you're climbing a ladder, then all Rebbe's become my Rebbe. All Rebbe's, the Sadmer Rebbe. Ah! Zol Er Lang Leben. He's a wonderful man, a big warrior, and he accomplished for us so much. Dulababacher Rebbe, Zal Er Lang Leben. He accomplished so much, and he's still accomplishing. They should both be Arabs because they both can bring us to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's all that matters. That's the only thing Asel Kharav is for. After all, Hashem comes first. 
Don't ever forget that Hashem comes first. You are in this world for our colors Baruch Hu, and for nobody else. Once we begin to appreciate this principle, it helps us understand the difficult Gemara in Avayda Zara. The Gemara there tells us the story about the day that Rabbi Hanina ben Tradion was led out to be executed by the Romans. And the question is asked, what did he do that HaKadosh Baruch Hu sentenced him to such a fate? After all, if a tzaddik is burned to death by the Gentiles, there is something there. And the Gemara answers like this, Haya hoge es Hashem. In his yeshiva, among his Talmidim, he pronounced the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu exactly as it is written. Now I'm sure that when he did this, it was with the greatest reverence. You can be sure. He did it, Bedechilu Urchimu, with the greatest fear and the greatest love. And he did it, L'Shem Shamaim too. You have to teach the secret to someone, so that it shouldn't go lost. Especially in his time, when the Romans were about to begin one of the worst periods of oppression in history. Closing the yeshivas and slaughtering Chachamim. The secrets of the Torah could have been forgotten forever. And so Rabbi Hanina ben Tradion took upon himself in his own yeshiva to teach his great Talmidim the secret name of HaKadosh Baruch But because he did it in the yeshiva, because he said it publicly before his Talmidim instead of doing it in front of one or two students or small groups, he was punished. For a great man like that, even a small sin was considered big enough to deserve punishment and he was burned to death by the Romans. But the Gemara there says that besides for executing Rabbi Hanina, the Romans also beheaded his wife. So the Gemara asks, what did she do to deserve that fate? Rabbi Hanina, we understand, but she wasn't involved with that. She wasn't in the yeshiva. And the Gemara answers, because she didn't protest against him. She didn't prevent her husband from doing that. Now we know there's a very important rule. If you don't know it, now is the time to learn it. Isha kishera oser son ba'ala. A pious woman has an ideal of doing the will of her husband. Tanad bi'eliyahu. As much as possible, a pious Jewish woman tries to obey her husband. It's an ideal of hers to make her husband happy, to cooperate with him. And here, kol shekain. What's expected of the wife of Rabbi Hanina Pendradion? That she should interfere when her husband is saying a shir in the yeshiva? What should she do? She should come into the base of Medrash and say, Hanina, what are you doing? It's his hachra, it's his pesach halacha, that for the tzorich hasha, it's something that's necessary to do. After all, he's a great man, one of the greatest gedolai hador. What do you mean she should take action against her great husband, a gedol hador? The answer is, that you should never forget about HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Even the most pious wife who understands that a loyal wife bends to the will of her husband. And even when it concerns a great husband, a gadol, but still, he doesn't come before HaKadosh Baruch Hu. If something seems that it can be corrected, you shouldn't keep quiet. Because even if your husband's great personality shouldn't cause you to forget about HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore, because his wife didn't say anything, she was punished too. She heard... She was told what was happening, and she should have taken action. She was a great woman. She wasn't a plain person. And she'd figure out a way to make a protest in the way that's fitting for a wife with such a great husband. Whatever it was, she'd have to do it. 
Because it could be that the greatest husband, the Gadolador, it could even be Avram Avinu. But no matter, HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes first. Now once we get this idea into our heads, it opens for us a new panorama of Avoides Hashem. You begin to understand that our greatest test in this world is to maintain our focus on HaKadosh Baruch Hu, no matter what. He is the one who deserves our undivided attention in this world. That's why David the Melech calls Hashem the Melech HaKovod, Tehillim. What does it mean that he's the king of honor? The Mesilus Hishadim explains that all covered belongs only to Hashem. And if you give honor to someone without the permission of Hashem, or even with his permission, but you forget that you are doing it because it's what he wants, so you're stealing from Hashem. If you forget about the Melech HaKovod, you're acting inappropriately. Suppose you're walking to the base of Knesset in the morning, and here comes a nice Jew walking out of his house, a big beard and payas, and a talis bag. Ah, a frum Jew! And so you want to go give him a bracha, a big shalom aleichem to greet your fellow Jew. Is a big mitzvah after all. So Hashem says, watch out, don't do it. It's a sin to greet someone before davening. So you'll say, what if the person coming out of his house is a great Rosh Hashiva? So you have to say, Shalom Aleichem Rebbe. After all, this is already somebody more important. My neighbor, maybe I could refrain, but this is the Rosh Hashiva, a Talmud Chacham. He's really important. Nothing doing. If you greet someone before davening, some say it's only if you say Shalom Aleichem. It's like making him into a boma. Brachas. A pasuk is quoted there. Chidlu lachem min ha'adam asher nishama be'apo. Refrain from man. Ki bame nachshav. What is a human being? All he is, is nishama be'apo. Some breath that I blew into him. And you'll put him before me? So the Gemara there makes a play on words. Al tikre bame ele bama. If you greet that man who is only bame. So you're making a bummer out of him. What's a bummer? A bummer is not a vaydazara. It's a mizbeach for Hashem. But you built it in the wrong place. You made an altar for Hashem in your backyard, let's say, instead of the Beis Hamikdash. A mizbeach is a mitzvah, but not in your backyard. It's a good thing to greet a fellow Jew. It's a big mitzvah. But here, it's the wrong place. You didn't daven yet. Don't give anyone a bracha because the first bracha in the morning goes to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Even though honoring a fellow Jew is a mitzvah, nevertheless, not always did Hashem give you permission to do it. And so there's no mitzvah. Not only is it not a mitzvah, but it's a terrible sin because it means you forgot that Hashem comes first. Even not before prayers. Imagine you're going to meet a mechutan of yours. He came to visit from California, let's say. So you run out to give him a big shalom aleichem. Ah, it's so good to see you again. At that moment, you're thinking only about your mechutan. It's a problem. Because you forgot about HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He's the one who told you to be friendly to your mechutan. You're honoring HaKadosh Baruch Hu when you greet your mechutan. Because you're listening to him. You have to think that. Otherwise, you failed. You're going mishuga over bus of Adam and forget about Hashem. V'chim makdimim birkat eved lebirkat kono. Keep that in mind. Even when you're rushing out to greet the Gadol Ador, 
who is coming from Eretz Yisrael, and 10,000 people are standing there near the airport. You're very much impressed. Don't lose your head, however. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the one that you came to honor. I'll give you another example. The Torah says, Kabed et avicha ve'etimecha, which means that every child must obey the requests of his parents. It's a tremendous mitzvah. If your mother says, Chaim, carry out the garbage can outside. It's like putting on tefillin. Don't say, I'll do it tomorrow, or let somebody else do it. You should seize the mitzvah. It's not less than tefillin. A glorious opportunity. And yet listen to what the Gemara in Baba Metziah says. Ish imo ve'avin tirau. Fear your father, your mother. And right away it says, I am Hashem Elokechem. Vayikra. Hashem is saying, Always be sure to listen to your father and mother. But if it's something I don't want you to do, then it's no mitzvah anymore. What are we learning here? We see that the words of the father and mother are nothing in themselves. It's only because HaKadosh Baruch Hu told you to obey your father and mother. That's why you're doing it. That's why when you give honor to your father and mother, the Gemara is saying, it's like you're honoring Hashem. And that's because a true servant of Hashem, everything he does is only l'chabdo levado, to honor Hashem alone. The Chavos Levavos says that. When he speaks about the qualities of a true servant of Hashem, he says that the focus of an Eved Hashem is always to honor Hashem alone. Oh, but it says, Kabed etavicha. You have to honor your father and mother. The answer is that your mind is always focused. You only do it because Hashem tells you to honor them. Hashem is everything to you. And that's why when Hashem says no, then forget about it. There's no mitzvah at all to honor them. Here's a father whose sheep strayed out of the stable and wandered off to the cemetery. So he tells his son, Chaimel, please hurry up and get the sheep because somebody might come along and steal them. Run into the cemetery and bring the sheep home. But the son says, I can't. It's us for a Kohen to enter a cemetery. How can I go? The father and mother are both begging him. Chaim, hurry up. The sheep will be stolen. But the boy stands still. He doesn't move a muscle because he knows that Ani Hashem Elokecha. It's only Hashem that matters. The son can say some words of peace. He can tell his parents, Father, Mother, I'm so sorry. But whatever it is, he can't go. That's why the Torah says that a mother or a father, if they are disloyal to the Torah, if they reject HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so there's no obligation to honor them at all. We honor parents only because Hashem commands us to. We're giving Him honor when we obey Him and honor our parents. A woman called me up once and she said, she has a mother out of town and she's the only child. She asked me if I would recommend that she go to visit her mother. So I was thinking, why not? Of course she should visit her mother. So I asked her, what type of life does your mother live? So she tells me that her mother lives with a Gentile. She's married to a Gentile. So I told her, She's not your mother anymore. You have to choose between Hashem and your mother. And you cannot have both. It's not an easy choice. But there's no question about it. And even if a mother is orthodox, she's a loyal servant of Hashem. But sometimes it happens that she'll call her daughter up on the telephone to complain about the neighbor. Oh yes, your mother is very important. But the daughter has to remember that Hashem comes first. You can't listen to Lashon Hara. 
You have to do something to get off the phone. Ma, I have to go now. The cake is burning. Some excuse you'll have to come up with because you're thinking, my mother is very important. But Hashem, you come first. Instead, what happens? The daughter listens. Yes, she listens. All the lush and horror that the mother says. She's listening. It's my simbecholium. It happens every day. And it's happening because we are so bewitched by people that we forget about HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Rav Naftali Amsterdam used to relate about his Rebbe, Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, Zichron Levracha, that he didn't remove his mind from the service of Hashem, even when he was talking to people. Now, L'Choyra, at first sight, we would say that he could have said something more. He could have said maybe that even when he was eating, he didn't forget about HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Eating is gashmias, it's a physical thing. So to think about Hashem while you eat, that's something special. But the Reb Naftali knew what he was saying. And if he chose to stress this shevach about his Rebbe, then we understand that he considered it a remarkable feat, that even when speaking with a fellow man, you should not forget about HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's because the most distracting thing in the world, the most interesting phenomenon in the whole universe, is a fellow human being. There is nothing in the whole world as striking and as impressive as another person. And that's why when Reb Naftali wanted to praise his Rebbe, Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, he chose this. Rabbi Yisrael would converse with another person. And as he spoke, he was able to overcome the distraction. And he didn't forget for a moment that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is listening. And he is the one who I must please. And if you think it's an easy thing, then try it. If you listen in on conversations, you can see how each one, how each party is spellbound by his fellow and how he tries to please him. Every conversation, if you notice, is an attempt to find favor with the other party. He is accommodating himself to his fellow man. He agrees with him. He flatters him. Of course, when you talk to someone who is more important, then it is certainly so. You melt before the personality of the important man. But to a certain extent, it's true with anyone. Watch people sitting in company talking. Yes, 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 yes. He could be saying the worst things. And the other one is pouring oil on his fire. It could be Lush and Hara, wickedness, litsanus, foolishness. It could be anything. But you nod your head because there's no Hashem in your head. A woman goes and tells the neighbors about the fight she had with the grocer. And they're all ears. People talk against their bosses, and others are listening. It's all because they never learned this lesson of Hashem first. We are so bewitched by people that we forget about HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's something that everyone must keep in mind always. Next time you're sitting on a bus, and your good friend who works in the same office as you is telling you about his troubles with the boss, and you're entranced by his personality. So you're in the mood to say, yes, yes, no. Remember this lesson. Hashem is number one. Don't say yes, yes. It means you're encouraging him. You're agreeing with him. Maybe he's wrong. Maybe the boss is right. Is the employer present to deny this man's arguments? So you're makabel loshen hara. You're listening to one side of the story and you're yesing him and encouraging him. It means you forgot about HaKadosh Baruch Hu entirely under the spell of this man. So if it's possible, gather your strength and tell your fellow man, look, maybe you were wrong. Could be he was wrong. No, 
Or you can tell him, look, I wasn't present. So how could I know whether your side of the story is true or not? That's a man who remembers Hashem when he speaks to others. And if you're not able to say it, so there are other ways to put Hashem first. Get off the bus and take the next bus. It only costs 35 cents. It's a very good investment because it means you remember HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But if you forget about HaKadosh Baruch Hu, if you're entranced by your fellow man, then you're making for yourself a lot of trouble. Now this subject that we spoke about tonight, that was the crux of the fateful meeting between the two great personalities on that field outside of Sedom. On one side stood the great Malkit Tzedek, the Kohen Lekel Elyon, who could have been the progenitor of the Amashem. And standing across from him was Avram Avinu, the one who eventually took that role. And it was at that moment when these two great men faced each other that the history of the world changed forever. Blessed is Avraham, said Malkit Tzedek in his enthusiasm over this great man Avram. Avram was pert first. And then he caught himself and said, And blessed is the Kel Elyon, who handed over your enemies into your hands. At that time, Shem ben Noach lost the opportunity to be the ancestor of the nation of priests. The prophecy came true. It was still in the family of Shem. But now it was limited to the Zera of Ram. And Malki Tzedek's ancient city of Shalem became Yerushalayim, the future city of Avram's children. You know, the name Yerushalayim is a composite word. Yeru is the old language of the Canaanim, means an ir, a city. And Shalem is perfection. Yerushalayim means ir Shalem, the city of perfection. Many years later, Avram's children conquered Eretz Canaan, And in the days of David, they built up Yerushalayim. And it became immensely more ennobled in Shlemis than it had been ever before, because now it was settled by the Zera of Ram, who make Hashem the Kel Elyon, the one who always is uppermost in their minds. And that's why the Navi Yeshaya promises us that one day the nation that says Baruch Kel Elyon before everything else will be gathered together once again to the city of perfection. And there we will return to our old standards and walk in the footsteps of Avram Avinu, who never forgot HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Once again, it will be called by the old name of Irat Tzedek, the city of righteousness, Yeshaya, because there is nothing more righteous than remembering always that you're standing in the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Have a wonderful Shabbos.